a playlist original. He stole their gold. They want payback. You can try to crack my safe. I don't do dogs. I had a bad experience. What happened? I had a bad experience. The Italian job. What happened to my gold? Ready PG-13. Sneak preview Saturday. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Blockbuster with your hosts, Gaius and Jackson, episode 98, and another anniversary anniversary episode on deck. We took a little bit of a break from, like, tiny break. A couple weeks, yeah. A couple weeks, there wasn't anything too pressing, like, I think we had, like, the Great Gatsby, and I was like, do you want to do that? Like, And you were like, do you want to do that? You're like, (laughs) Jackson's pretty easy, like, if I'm like, hey, I kind of want to do it, he'll be like, all right, I'll of course I'll watch it. <laughs> so yeah, there was that one, and, and then I think a couple of, like Matrix Reloaded. I guess could have been fun, but like not entirely necessary. This one kind of got thrown into the mix last minute by me because I actually got this movie on 4K. God, last week now, I think. I think so. And, yeah. And I was reading the back of it, and I was like, "When did this come out?" And I was like, "Oh, 2003." And I like looked it up, like, "Oh, when in 2003?" And actually, May 30th, 2003. So I was like, all right, let me throw that in the What are the of, odds, like, eh? They randomly last... picked it up and it happens to have a 20-year anniversary right around the corner? <laughs> I didn't realize, man. I mean, I kind of I kind of remember that it came out around then, uh, but wasn't totally for sure. But in case everyone's wondering, the movie we're talking about is The Italian Job. It's celebrating its 20th anniversary on May 30th. The episode that we're recording today will be actually be out the day before that. So we'll have a little time for you all to soak in a little anniversary listen for the Italian job. I got some positive feedback for doing this one because it was this was a last minute edition. But some people were like, dude, that movie is a lot of fun. I think people forget how fun it was. And it was kind of like a sleeper hit when because this was a busy summer. We've talked about like how busy this summer was when we talked about X-Men and then we right. kind of talked we kind of talked about it when we mentioned Too Fast Too Furious when we were talking about Fast yeah, and Furious episode. the same time this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same summer it's a really tight busy summer but this and this one did well like it made I don't remember well. the figures yeah I'm sure you got that but it, it did well at the box office like quite, yeah, quite well it was modest you know, like kind of modest budget for a movie like this and considering like the cast and all that I don't think Paramount Pictures expected like huge things but it, it actually was one of those kind of movies that actually legged it out throughout the entire summer at a pretty like kind of not huge opening weekend, but managed to like stay in business pretty much all the summer. And they even re-released it on Labor Day weekend that year to give it a little push Whoa. O- over that $100 million mark. And that's, you know, that's what they want for a movie okay. like that. Uh, but yeah, it'll be a, a fun one to get into. I had a good time rewatching it. It looks great on 4K, guys, in case you guys want to. Uh, I can imagine get it it's not not even an expensive 4k either it's like on the cheaper side because there's not a ton of extras on it and i think the extras that are on it they kind of just transferred over from the dvd which i also have but yeah definitely worth pick up if you're a fan of this yeah did not have this one i had to kind of like uh just kind of ran like spontaneously stream it and i ended up going through a couple it wasn't on crave wasn't on netflix i think i ended up finding it on prime so for those of you that want to get a watch in I think it was on Amazon Prime is where I got to see it. But one worth having for sure. It's a fun little 2000s heist comedy Maybe. drama sort of thing. Not much of a comedy, but there's there's elements of it. There's some. there's Some. some. Seth Green's character. Yeah, yeah. There's some, some lines. I can't, I can't wait to ask you because this has kind of come up when we've done these 20th anniversary episodes around this time in the early 2000s. Like you always are like, I can kind of feel like the aesthetic of the early 2000s. And I'm kind of wondering yes. if you felt it when you were watching this one a little bit 
hard to miss for sure. There's <laughs> it's mostly in like the tech aspects of this movie. Not yeah. even really so much that I find in like the direction of the editing. Uh, but then again, I wasn't I wasn't thinking about that. I guess it didn't stand out to me, but definitely in the ways that like particularly Seth Green's character Lyle is integrated in the movie. He's the guy that he's the tech savvy guy, and there's a lot of what he does in the film that has aged since. Not as <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's like it was cool yeah. in 2003, and not so oh, much. I'm sure it would have been very much yeah cool and popular. Not so much yeah. trendy. But now we've come a long way in such a short amount of time. Well, 20 years. That's that's a long time for tech innovation, and it shows. But not necessarily to the film's detriment. In that sense, it's kind of like a time capsule. Yeah, a little bit. And, you know, and we also have some like little fun Fast and Furious connections in this movie, like future yeah. ones. Which right. is kind of like a little three-way, if you count the director, I guess, because he directed one of the that's uh, right. Fast and Furious entries. And... I don't know, like, it is interesting because, like, we'll get into it a little bit later, but, you know, around this time, there were a lot of movies in the early 2000s that tried to bring, like, the heist of film back a bit. I think this one is remembered fondly on that end, though, where it, they, the the heist itself isn't too intricate, it's not too complicated, but it's fun, and I think, like, kind of getting the team back together and seeing how they put it together is what mm-hmm. makes the movie work. Not necessarily, you know, the ins and outs and, you know, it being, like, so incredibly, like, oh, this is, like, the smartest heist film I've ever seen. Um, no, yeah. Not on that level, but I think it's more just supposed to be, like, an easy, breezy kind of watch. And, like, that was the vibe I got from it watching again, that it was very, it felt very quick. It went by so fast, actually. Yeah, it's paced well for a two-hour movie. Yeah, it paced very well. You never feel like you're bored. The cast is really great together. Even some of them that didn't want to be there necessarily. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just you know it, it's a fun movie and i hope you had a good time with it and we'll kind of get into yeah your well, i'll thoughts. share my thoughts here once we get once we get rolling yeah um before uh we get rolling guys we have been doing uh promo swaps uh with one podcast in particular which is uh bev's video kingdom they said they've worked out pretty well for them on their end they actually did one for us they're going to do another one for us and we owe them a second I've actually gotten some messages and stuff, mostly on Twitter, because that's where most of the podcast kind of interaction on that end goes. Okay. And other pages that want to do promo swaps with us. So I'll be sending those to Jackson and Owen in the next few days to see if we want to promo swap with some of these other pages. It can't hurt, Absolutely. I guess. No, of course uh, not. It'd be nice to interact uh, with some other people that do what we do. But yeah, the uh, Bez Video Kingdom, they actually, we actually put their promo on our deep dive episode for Insomnia that I did with owen and in case you guys don't remember who they are they are a roundtable style podcast of four small town close friends who are movie lovers but not cinephiles so they are casual moviegoers much like my friend from canada over here uh not in the business just you know people who love movies they release a new episode every tuesday and they actually turned over 100 episodes around the first time that we actually did a promo swap with them so we're almost oh, in their league guys Congratulations yeah. to them. Soon enough. And so one week they discuss a movie, mostly mainstream movies from almost all genres. And the next week they do a fantasy style kind of football draft of a movie related category. So an example would be most memorable movie stoner. And we've been doing drafts kind of on our recent episodes oh, okay. too. So kind of did not know they did that segment. So, That's cool. So kind of in line with that, their content is certainly adult, but nothing wrong with that. That's always fun. There's plenty of foul language and sexual references for all the adults out there. But they are also attentive to not being offensive or being spirited to their listeners. So I also think that is very important. 
So as we did before, we're going to play a little promo from them on this episode. So you need an idea of what Bev's Video Kingdom is all about. So here it is right now. Bev's Video Kingdom. Because the movies won't talk about themselves. So Andy crawls through this river of shit. He comes out, visits a dozen banks, and no one's like, I'm a little concerned about the guy in the suit. <laughs> right. It smells like shit. You mean, you, mean, you mean the guy that literally washed himself in a river full of shit? Is it supposed to smell, like, smell good? Dude, that's completely the mall rat stink palm, which takes like three or four days to wash off. Oh, last time I scratched my ass, it smelled like Bigfoot's dick for a week. <laughs> Bev's Video Kingdom. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, if you want more from Bev's Video Kingdom, all you have to do is what you do with us. Find them whenever you get wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. They're on Good Pods as well. I actually added and follow them on there, too, because it's oh, another good it. place to, to discover them as well. And they are also a part of the Deluxe Edition Network, kind of similar to what Playlist does with us. They have a, their own podcast network, too. It's cool because we're all kind of working together. We're all independent podcasters. We're all trying to get discovered and see what we can do really big in this creative space. So mm-hmm. I love that we all can support each other. So definitely support their page or their podcast along with ours and any others you guys discover. And if you have any that you think that we would like to talk with, you're like, hey, this is a good fit. They're similar to your, sh- your show. Send them over to us too, because we would love to not only promo swap with them, but actually talk to Best Video Kingdom about topping in on one of their episodes. They would love to hop in on one of ours. I think that'd be a lot It'd of fun. It'd be a wicked too. collab. Absolutely. Have a lot of voices going too, which would be cool. We'd have to find yeah. a, lot, a lot to talk about for sure. <laughs> no, that, that was the one thing I told when we did the first promo swap. And I was like, wait, there's four people on that podcast. Can you imagine trying to get like four people together every week at a good time to do this, like, you know, consistently? <laughs> right. I mean, I always reference the Soul Wizard podcast. They haven't missed a week. 459 episodes, I think, now since they started it. And they haven't missed a week. I think they have a slogan. I'm probably going to butcher it. You can tell me if I'm wrong or not. But it, it's basically like pod before life. <laughs> so, like, they do that. <laughs> so, like, that yeah, makes sense for them. And even, like, this week, they're, like, a day late. But they're not going to miss this week. So, I think that's, okay. like, cool, too. That, like they yeah, still the streak. is still maintained, which is really impressive. Very impressive. All right, so let's hop back into what we were talking about. In case you guys don't know what The Italian Job is about, it's a 2003 American Heist action film directed by F. Gary Gray and starring a pretty sizable ensemble class that includes Mark Wahlberg, Charlie Saron, Edward Norton, Jason Statham, Seth Green, Most Death, and Donald Sutherland. It is an American remake of the 1969 British film of the same name, but with an original story. And the plot follows a motley crew of thieves who plan to steal gold from a former associate who double-crossed them. And guys, despite the shared title, the plot and characters in this film differ from its source material. And F. Gary Gray described the film as an homage more than a remake of the original. I think that's Um, appropriate. And uh, they actually, there's a scene in F. Gary Gray's, the 2003 one that we're talking about today, that they actually briefly feature the original on screen. Screen, yeah. Which is funny because Mark Wahlberg's character is has the same name as the protagonist in that one. So he's like watching the movie. So they don't take place in the same universe. It's like, it's like so meta. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which I mean, lots of movies have done that before shown the remake. Yeah. But it's just kind of, it's kind of funny in this sense. Um, so what was this like for you? I mean, I can, I'll tell you, I mean, I saw this in theaters when it came out, right? um, but like, what was this like for you? I mean, had you seen it before this? What? Yes and no. Like this was the one I would have got around to early Netflix days. You'll hear me say this a lot and listeners have heard me say this before because 
back when I was like preteen or early teenager when Netflix really came about as a streaming giant. And back yeah. in the day when I had nothing better to do, I, I just binged. This is kind of really, I owe Netflix a lot of my early movie loving uh, experiences because I, I watched tons of movies back in the day, just sort of absentmindedly. So I do remember watching The Italian Job when I was quite young, but then so many years had gone by. I could remember details and I knew that it featured the Mini Coopers. I knew Mark Wahlberg and Charlize Theron were in it and a couple of sequences. But ultimately, I would say that I remember so little that it was almost like a first time watch again. Forgot of Gary Gray had directed it, which is cool because, like, as you yeah. mentioned, he went on to direct Fate of the Furious, where he reunited with a couple of his cast members from this movie, which is also features cars and robbery and heists and action sequences. So it kind of feels like almost like a s- spiritual predecessor to them working a together, little bit. Yeah, is interesting. But I will say, like, I had a good time. I had a good enough time watching it. It's how I spent my Sunday morning. But uh, ultimately, this movie didn't like do much for me. I thought it, I thought it was serviceable. There were things I liked about it. Yeah. But uh, back to what you'd mentioned about how this kind of came out in an era of some remakes, particularly heist films. This came out around the same time, I don't, maybe a couple of years after, if I'm correct. Ocean's Eleven, which Eleven, is itself yeah. a bank heist movie remake. So I kind of found in that sense, I don't know what the demand for this movie really would have been at that time. Granted, it, it is, like you mentioned, very different from the original. It made me want to watch the original, actually, even more so, just from 1969. Yeah, with, uh, Michael Caine, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Saw some footage of that just in preparation for this episode, and I was like, yeah, I think I want to throw that on sometime. But all in all, like I, it's, it's a good enough movie. It's entertaining in spots. The cast does a great job, except one standout. <laughs> we know didn't really care to be there i honestly felt i noticed that in ed norton's performance because he's usually such a charismatic figure on screen whatever he's yeah, doing I, i've been I waiting was to, missing. I've been waiting to ask you this because yeah well i beat, for, beat it to for, it. well i have friends like who go back and forth like cause I, I have a ton of friends actually really like the movie because it's just like it was this was like one of those movies like back when it finally came out on like you know we could watch it at home we watch this a lot i think it's because it's so easy to watch it's like, an easy it's not, watch, definitely. You don't really have to pay attention a lot. There's enough likable people in the movie where it's like, oh, like, you know, and it's them playing really well off each other. You got, like, the crew actually feels like they were a crew, and that's fun to watch, too. But there's always been this debate about, like, is Edward Norton phoning it in because he was forced to be there? <laughs> or is it a legitimately, like, good, like, villain performance, right? I go back where and forth. I think, I think there's certain scenes where he is good, where it's like, so the scene, I know we're skipping ahead, but the scene where he, where Charlie Theron's character has to meet him at dinner because he, he, like, she, they've like done all that where they like she pretended to be like a cable service person to like to yes. get like images of the vault so they can like see what the vault looks like so they can end up breaking into it. I thought that scene where he realizes that she's not who she says she was and she's actually Donald Sutherland's daughter who he, you know, murdered at the beginning of the movie after their initial heist. I thought he was good in that scene, whereas like it felt like genuine tension where he was like menacing. But then there was other stuff, like even in the beginning when he kind of turns on them, it mm. felt very, felt very um, like you know, like very like almost like mousy, like cartoon, cartoony villainy a little bit. Not so yes. much like he was trying hard enough. And then even scenes later in the movie, I even think after uh, he starts squeezing her wrists and like is like you know, basically saying that he knows who she is. And then mm-hmm. the other guys come out when she knocks the ball over to signal them to come out. And he has that whole scene with Mark Wahlberg. I even think that scene is pretty decent where he's going back and forth with him. Sure. But I'm going to go 
with you and say that mostly it feels like he's phoning in it. Agrees. Like, and it sucks too because he's a great actor. And Fantastic I also, actor. And the reason we're saying all this, guys, is because he was contractually obligated to appear in this movie he and this is like they don't do this a lot anymore this is more of an old hollywood thing where they like a studio (laughs) a studio will grab like usually young up-and-coming talent that they think like oh like they're really good but we don't want to let them go like you know we need to like hold on to them that was like a that's more of an old guard and doesn't really happen a lot but with edward norton he kind of his first movie was primal fear with paramount pictures and he blew right out of the gate after that. I mean, he won the Golden Globe for it. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for it. If you haven't seen it, you should see it because it's a truly great, like, debut performance. I mean, I... Oh, he's fantastic in that movie. Yeah, he's so good in that movie. So Paramount signed him to a deal, and he did that movie, but then he jumped into, like, The People versus Larry Flint, which I think was, like, a Miramax, from what I trying to remember which ones all the studios he was doing. And then everyone says, I love you, which is, like, a Woody Allen movie, also not paramount and then like paramount's like hey like where's our second movie with you and there was also a stipulation about how much he would get paid uh for the next film that he did okay he he, he didn't get paid a lot for primal fear of course because he was it was first movie right uh but meanwhile edward norton's like you know in in a pretty short amount of time he does primal fear people were slurry flint everyone says i love you he gets american history x i was gonna mention that oh my god gets another oscar nomination and then he really, really, really wants to do Fight Club. And Paramount's like, no, you owe us a movie. And now they're fighting back and forth about trying to keep him. And oh, then we know she- how that went. I didn't know about that controversy. Yeah. So then Shelley Lansing was in charge at Paramount at the time. According to Norton's people, they had like a verbal agreement where she's like, I'm not. He was like, I don't want to be forced to do a movie that I don't want to do. Like, I don't feel right about doing. And apparently she said, we won't force you to do a movie that you do not want to do. And then I guess someone else at Paramount was like, well, I, we did, we weren't there for that. And <laughs> we're going like, to make you do what you want, you want you to do. So he tried to like pivot, like, okay, I'll let me try to do this. So he does Red Dragon and then he does, tw- and then he gets 25th hour and he actually pitches 25th hour to Paramount. Like we should do uh-huh. this together. We should do okay, this together. thinking on it his behalf. And then they, Paramount's like, no, we don't want to do that one. So then he goes and does 25th hour with, uh, touch like I guess like it's Touchstone, which is like a part of Disney at the time. Touchstone was like their like for their adult, more like mature movies. Oh, okay. Uh, so then they're still in this battle. Like, no, dude, like you, you're under contract. You owe us this movie. And then at, at a certain point, he couldn't. He tried to like call back on the Shelley Lansing like verbal agreement. Like, she won't let me. She's not gonna let me do something. I don't want to. Not gonna force me to do it. And right. they're like, no, he can ride so, that forever if he wants. See if he's like. No, sorry. So I think like I think for both parties it was like, okay, this is not gonna end anytime soon. And he kind of fell into this one. You know what's interesting? I remember a while ago, I didn't do it for this on the DVD. I do remember listening to the commentary with F. Gary Gray. Had nothing bad to say about Edward Norton. He always talked about how like present he was, I guess. And mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm sure everyone on that set knew that he was didn't want to be there. I mean, I like think he, he clashed was, with a lot of people, right? Like he didn't really keep uh, it a secret. Secret. I don't think. I mean, like, and and then there are certain people that worked in the movie. I'll give them credit. There were certain like producers that were like, you know, he, when he came and did like a costume fitting for the movie, he was really like wanting to see what the character should look like and was really invested in like the script and blah 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 and all this stuff, right? Uh, but I kind of fall in the category. I mean, just watching him in it and especially compared to how like 
lively and fun and fancy free the rest of the people are in the movie. Right. And he I is constrained, play, yeah. They're playing good guys. I know they're not supposed... He's not supposed to be like them, but you can still play a villain like that and look like you're having fun. Uh, right. It feels very... It does feel kind of forced. There are certain scenes that worked, but I think that mostly he feels like can't wait till this month long shoot is over. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so shot in a month though. That's not. That's yeah. not too terrible. At least, at least for him, I guess. I mean, he, right. See, because he's not in like a lot it's of shots. Really, too. No, exactly. And a lot of his take place in more or less like some pretty like tight sets. Like it's not like yeah. he's, he's either by himself or like or like with a couple yeah. scenes with the group. But like, yeah, in a helicopter, <laughs> like right. he's he's mostly alone. Yeah, That's right. so, but yeah, I agree with you, man. I other than a few this couple of scenes or moments I mentioned, I got the vibe that he was like kind of like, and it sucks. Yeah. I mean, because I feel like he loves the profession. So even if he, part of me wants to believe, like even if he didn't want to be there, he'd be like, "Yo, I mean, it's a job. Other people are working on this. I need to like give a hundred and ten percent." And but if if you're forced to do something, you're not going to want to like give no, it your exactly. Own. That's going to hinder your performance if you are not doing it for the reasons that you want to do it. Um, yeah. Here's a question for you. So, honestly, props to him for for dodging that bullet for so long because it's seven well, years. Very long between, time. Yeah, yeah, seven <laughs> years between his first movie with them and the second contractually obligated movie. movie. So, do you know what his third one with Paramount was? After, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I know that um they took so they knew they had the Italian job. This is what there's another reason why they were mad. They knew they they had the Italian job on deck and that he. Might, might be one he would do and this is a heist movie right and then they look and see that he did the score which was a heist film right before oh. maybe a year or two before with robert de niro and marlon brando and oh, angela bassett sure. because he wanted to work with marlon brando and robert de niro yeah. so like he so so their paramount is getting more of their seething <laughs> like we have our heist movie why aren't you doing this one you know what i think it ended up happening i think there were supposed to be three and I think what they worked out in the end was like, you know, you'll do the Italian job for this set fee, and then we'll just cut ties with you. And I think oh, that's what okay. ended up being. And I think that's what ended up being because I think that ended up being a better option for both parties because sure, well, yeah. this, because at this point it's contentious, and now like you're saying that this person told me this thing was going to happen, and this person told me that something else is going to happen. And I see. you know who who knows I can I can believe him that maybe he had a verbal agreement with Shelley Lansing that was like we're not going to force you to do a movie you don't want to do. Um, right. I also had a friend at the time when we would talk about this. I was like, dude, he's, I guess at this point he was a name, but when he was tied down to this contract, he wasn't. So my friend was always like, dude, just do it. Like, you're not like, you're not Tom Hanks. You're not this. Just like, right. Yeah, put your ego aside. Put your ego aside and jump into something. But he is a theater guy. So, I mean, he really cares yeah. about the craft and like what he wants to do. But I mean, I, I could see what my friend was saying that like, hey, man, it's just like, it's a job. Do it. Like, this is what you're supposed to do. Right. Have, and it's a month it's of like, your time. It's a fun movie. I mean, like, I know it's not like, it's not good, fellas, but like, you know, it's fun. And For like, sure. I wonder if he even like looks back on that now. It's like, oh, I could have had fun working with like Charlize Theron and Mark Wahlberg and all those guys. And a lot of his contemporaries being, that are yeah, quite skilled. Instead yeah. of being like, instead of being like, oh, I don't want to be here. <laughs> like, yeah, I kind of wonder. Interesting. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder <laughs> what he is thinking. I'm sure he, he at least has the ability to feel that way about a lot of his movies that he did during this little stint. Interesting to know, but yeah, uh, yeah besides Ed though, like a lot of the cast does a really good job. Uh, <laughs> I love the way you said that besides Edward Norton, which <laughs> well, is yeah, he had the ever said about, I think him in a movie ever no. besides Edward Norton. Everyone's great <laughs> about somebody else in the movie though. I just, I couldn't get away. I couldn't let 
talk about this movie without mentioning this because I don't think we've seen anything together yet with the great Donald Sutherland. But fun fact about him is him and I were actually born in the same city. He is a city that we were born in, St. John, New Brunswick. He's a New Brunswicker. He's a, uh, no, he's a, he's a Canadian? I didn't know yeah, that. East Coast. So he mean, was born an hour away Kiefer, from That means Kiefer is too, his son. I wouldn't be surprised if Keith Kiefer was born in the States. I don't know. Like, I don't know how long Donald like lived in St. John, but he was 100% born there, and so was I. It's crazy. Just one hour away yeah. from where I'm recording right now. Small nice. I, didn't yeah. know that. I think at one point it was the capital of New Brunswick, maybe a long, long time ago. But uh, yeah, no, I always feel that connection to Donald and then through him, Kiefer. Yeah. It's just the connection because I don't know of anybody else. He'd probably be the most famous person born here yeah. for sure. <laughs> So were awesome. you, uh, I wish he was in the movie more. He's yeah, really I was gonna say, were you excited to see him get like popped off so quick? <laughs> I knew that it was gonna happen. I mean, I don't remember his his death like after having watched it the first time, but I was like, yeah, well, he's the old timey actor in here. Like, he's not gonna be involved in and the heist. The I don't imagine doing yeah. any heavy lifting. So, what better role for him to be than the motivation? So, yeah, when he gets capped, I I remember thinking, okay, well, this was bound to happen, but just didn't realize yeah. it'd be so early into it, but. No, it's he's always a treat to see on screen. Love that guy to death, and I couldn't, I could, I had to give him a little shout out. Like other no, yeah, he's only he's only really in this little opening heist. Yeah, uh, the original Italian job that they're setting up uh, with the crew, not knowing that uh, Edward Norton's character is going to uh, turn on them. Steve, right. Steve, Steve Frizzelli, which is like a great name for yes. someone so slimy and has it his is. in this movie. Kind of wish, maybe wishes now that like Edward Norton would have played up this stuff a bit more and had more fun with so it could have he had it in him because he does because like the scene where he's like where charlie Theron is like pretending to be the cable person and like trying to fix his tv and all that he's so kind of slimy and gross with mm. her while while he's hitting on her it seems like someone named steve frizzelli would hit on her that way and, absolutely and, and everything, everything about him is really slimy <laughs> but uh for those who haven't seen it we're gonna break down the crew a little bit mark Wahlberg is charlie Croker, he's the team's leader, master thief, and professional fixer. Charlie Theron, not in the original Italian job, but she gets kind of brought in because her father, played by Donald Sutherland, John Bridger, is a safe cracker that, she, and she is becoming a professional safe cracker as well. He ends up being killed by our boy Steve Frizzelli during their original Italian job. Uh, she uses tools and technology to open safes in contrast to her father who opened them by feel. But, you know, there's a good callback to that in the end towards the end yes. of the movie where, where she, where she has to be shade, but it is a good moment. Like, it's so cheesy too. The way the lines is riddled with cliches and extra cheese on top, cheese baked throughout. It's yeah, but that it's got that 2000 syndrome. There's lots of a that little bit. A lot of those movies from that time, but. Uh, Jason Jason Statham plays himself, <laughs> um, <laughs> handsome Rob, <laughs> the team's wheel man and charming ladies man. Arguably, Seth Green is probably playing himself too as Lyle. A little bit, the team, yeah. The team's he's the team's computer expert. He also claims to be the real inventor of Napster, insisting that Sean Fanning stole the idea from him. The only reason this works is because they actually had Sean Fanning appear as himself. <laughs> yeah. In the cameo, so I think that I didn't is why know that, that until after, but that is a cool little detail. Yeah, that actually works because of that. So yeah, another little saying. detail about him that I love is apparently so in that scene where it shows the real Sean Fanning <laughs> sneaking over Lyle while he's napping at his computer and taking the hard drive that has Napster on it. There's a Metallica yeah. poster in the background, and apparently in the oh, yeah, Metallica, they had a big, they hated a big them, notorious. Yeah. yeah, they hated yeah. Napster, and they actually filed. I think they sued 
Sean yeah. Fanning over it and a bunch of that stuff. So I thought it was really like cheeky that other than to put a Metallica poster in the background. I love yeah, that. I love when really posters funny. are featured. Well, attention to detail, yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then we have most deaf as Gilligan left ear, the team's demolition and explosive expert. And then added to the bunch a little bit towards the end, Frankie G as a wrench, a mechanic whom Rob contracts to engineer the Mini Coopers to carry the gold. And he later joins the team for the heist as well. So what did you, I mean, what worked for you overall? I mean, I know you said that there are certain things that didn't, but like what kind of did you think um, the most? A lot of it, and like this is stuff that I didn't realize while I was watching, but I've come to appreciate afterwards. And, and it, it shows now knowing what I know after digging into the movie, because I just blindly threw it on, not having really done any preliminary research. That's what I don't normally do unless it's, I'm rewatching This is one you don't need to really do. A lot exactly. of like scholars but, are studying this one. What most I appreciate about this movie after, because as I said, I had enough fun watching. I was actually, I was doing something else while I was like watching it. So I was invested, but I would take a couple of minutes, to, like walk to the kitchen and like watch from there and like not necessarily yeah. like be in the most rigorous movie watching form as I normally yeah. would like to be. But I did learn that to a lot of the crew actually, and the actors did a lot of their own stunt driving notoriously Charlize Theron outdid all the boys and which is funny because they slated her some extra weeks a little bit of a misogynistic play there but she ended up performing everybody yeah exactly yeah I love that they did that they easily could have put some stunt drivers behind the wheels there but they actually even like the scene of the the Coopers going down the 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 stairs into the subway that's all the actors actually driving those down there that's awesome love that they did that that's cool so doing their own stunt is awesome. I think like the helicopter under the freeway, no CGI used there, like scraping yeah. against Mark's car. Like that, that that stunt work where they just really didn't have to do that. Um, I think maybe lesser movies wouldn't have done that, taken that extra mile, but that yeah. really pays off. It just looks more authentic. So that works for me. I think, you know, for Mark Wahlberg, like, I think he's a decent lead. I think he does a good job. This whole... Yeah. This role suited for him. Yeah, like it, so. it feels very much like. I mean, I go back and forth about him sometimes. You know, definitely that flip flop with him too. There's stuff that he's. Like I think he's really ones. good in, but I think that there are certain things that are in his wheelhouse, and this is it. Yes, I think he plays that pretty well, but playing to his strengths for sure. Yeah, but uh, that that worked a lot for me. I just a lot of the stuff from behind the camera, some F. Gary Gray decisions. Think he had fun making this movie. Worked with what he had, like the cast. Um, not choreography. They're Chemistry. chemistry their chemistry exactly thank you they yeah. um you could just tell that they did a good job working together have fun working i liked together. a lot of it that yeah exactly never ever Jordan. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i wonder what he would have been like to work with on set i know that the the, the cast was gifted with i don't know what they were gifted but they after the movie did so well the box office the production team sent the leads gift and he actually returned his so i thought that was interesting oh, i wonder what he would like to deal with on set <laughs> yeah exactly and he, and he attached a note too which was kind of like a little poke he said like give this to somebody who you actually like or who actually likes you like what's that just a little dick a little turd yeah, yeah yeah i know but Fucked anyway, up, man. answer your question that, that sort of thing is what i really like other than that there's nothing i like apparently like have issues with it's only minor gripes like a lot of cliches like it didn't i don't know that this movie was like needed to have been made at that time some other little things but uh the stunt work is great the cast does a good job it's it's got moments of humor that for me you know how hard i am on 
on comedies, even though it's not a comedy. Like I felt like it right, aged right, right. fairly well. There are certain comedic moments I thought really worked that came off pretty well in it. And yeah. it's mostly because the cast was so good, like working off of each other, I think. A hundred percent. But how long had you gone in between watches? I know you said you saw this in theaters and you saw it a lot afterwards. So, I saw it a lot afterwards, been? but I haven't watched this movie. That's why I was so excited. Like, so I saw the email because I get emails about when new Blu-ray 4Ks are coming out. Oh, and sweet. it was like in my inbox that this was coming out on 4K and I hadn't watched this movie, man, in like over 10 years, I think. Okay, so yeah, same here. So, so, it's, so it's been a while. I used to watch it a lot. Uh, you, know, you know, when it came out in theaters, we saw it twice. And then, and then a lot when it came out on like DVD and stuff to watch it then. But uh, I, Anything. you know, so so the thing that I like that you mentioned because I didn't know this at all when I first saw the movie in theaters. It wasn't so like long after mentioning that the actors did their stunt driving or at least most of it. Um, right. That I think that I think that makes the all the final stuff, the final parts of the heist and the Mini Coopers that makes that payoff so much more because you're seeing them. Yes. You can tell they're actually driving the cars and not you know someone else doing it and i think that makes those scenes work the whole last what 15 minutes of the movie is just all that and a really well-paced uh segment of the film though i mean like i mentioned before the heist isn't too intricate or whatever but it is fun watching it unfold and yes a point so i just wanted to add on to that is i like that they spend a lot of time and detail organizing this heist and how it's going to go just for it to all kind of collapse and then have to do it on the fly for right, yeah. like that unconventional tactic so i wanted to add that and i appreciated that about it too yeah and then i also i guess what i appreciate i mean i see what you're saying about like maybe this wasn't needed back then mm-hmm. but what i appreciated even 20 years ago in theaters and then even more so now is it this the budget for this movie isn't huge by like even back then standards especially okay. today's standards uh it's a well it's a well done you know heist action film in its own right but it doesn't right. have a lot of bells and whistles to it there isn't like ton of there's no cgi i don't think like real cgi to speak of a lot of the stuff you action scenes are practical like what you're seeing is real and what you get yeah and i think uh, felt like even back then it was like the little engine that could mix in with these other mm-hmm. big summer movies yes i appreciated it on that level where it's I, like, yeah. oh, like I get that. You know, you know it. You know when I rem- I do remember paying attention to how well it was doing because I remember that opening weekend. I think it opened like nineteen million. I think I look right now, which is not yeah, yeah. huge for a movie like that, but really did leg it out the entire summer <laughs> and uh, rightfully so. I mean, I think it kind of I think it kind of hit the spot for people that were like, this is more a bit authentic, like a more authentic action film. And I think yes. it might have appealed to older audiences too, as well as younger. You know, the cast kind of helped with whole, like, you know, bringing in the younger audience, I think. But I think it being more of like a low key heist action film might have gotten older, the older demographic to check it out and get it through that summer as well. So mm-hmm. I think the right spot for both uh, potential audience and moviegoers back then. You know, what surprises me is that you say the budget wasn't massive for this. And like, I garnered that too in my research. Do you happen to, before I get too far in, do you happen to have the figure? It's $60 million. $60 million. Okay. Bigger Which than I guess like, what I thought, but like, but, okay, like, but still like, not massive. But even like, you know, we've have action movies. I mean, this is no comparison at all, but like the latest Fast and the Furious movie costs $340 million to make. Yes. Uh, and, I'm, you know, and I'm just curious to see uh, what, because like Too Fast, Too Furious came out that summer. Right. Oh, yeah. That's a great comparison. Which, oh my like, God. 
in the videos that I was watching comparing these, I actually saw some footage from Too Fast, Too Furious, and I actually forgot yeah. how bad it looks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and, my God. So, so Too Fast, Too Furious isn't much – I mean, $76 million budget. So, okay. you know, $16 oh, okay. million dollars more, but, like, it felt like there wasn't – you know, there's a lot of use of CG you in Too Fast, Too Furious. And not uh, good CG that did not age well. Which goes against and, that. And credit to F. Gary Gray because before this, we've talked about music video directors. He was a music video director, mostly of hip hop videos for like Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, you no Cass, that's all. Cass, Miss Jackson. He yeah, also did Waterfalls right. by TLC. Awesome. And of yeah. course, he he made his directorial debut with Friday in 1995. And then he did two movies where I I think they realized that he could handle action. He did a movie called Set It Off that came out in 1996 kind of like an urban kind of bank heist movie where these four women down on their luck of uh, various reasons why they're down on their luck in the inner city decide to start robbing banks. It's actually a really good, solid uh, drama action film. And he, like a better version of Widows. Oh, you don't like Widows? No. <laughs> oh, I, I'd watch it again before I judge it too hard, but I didn't love it when I saw it in theaters, but besides the point. Oh, I love that movie. I digress. <laughs> um, Back to that sometime. <laughs> yeah, sometime. So... I think they saw what he could do because set it off. If you watch certain scenes and set it off, it feels big in its scope, but it's only a $9 million movie. So like, I think he, they saw that he could handle that as well. And then he did the negotiator two mm. years after that with Samuel L. Jackson and Kevin Spacey, $43 million budget, still kind of mid uh, right. that kind of stuff. So like, you know, this is someone that I think they saw that, all right, he has the potential to kind of work within this $60 million mm. we can give him and like yes. make something work. And you know what also makes me wonder? I'm trying to think about how big these guys were then. Because $60 million, I wonder if anyone took a pay cut. Because Mark Wahlberg, still a pretty decent, big actor in 2003. Six years after Boogie Nights, like which was pretty huge for him. Charlize is right off an Oscar. Is, was it that year that she won for uh, Monster? I, I, want, I wonder if it's the same. I want, I want to look that up, too. I want to see when that movie actually came out. Because I was like, is it the same? I think it was 2003. But yeah. that would have been a big one. Donald Sutherland would have been a big one, but he's not in it a whole lot, so probably didn't eat up a whole lot of the change. Yeah, like Seth Green's not like a huge. I mean, he's right. a TV guy, but not like a huge right. like movie person. If, I bet the cast didn't take up a whole lot of the budget. I would be willing to guess. That's so crazy. So I think if this made if this was made today, they would be a bulk of the budget. Oh, uh, Charlize, yeah. Charlize, and you know, Mark Wahlberg. Mark definitely. Still, yeah. Not Jason. Jason. Monster came out in 2003. It actually premiered November. It came out later that year. Interesting. Okay, so that was not a factor then. So no, she. I mean, she was still in a, a few movies. Right. I wonder how many hits she had been in before she. I can't think of any. Devil's, Devil Devil's Advocate was a hit. That was 97. That was one of her first movies, though. Oh, she I was know in the, the Cider House Rules made some money and was nominated for some Oscars, but I don't think she was like. Maybe she wasn't like that huge of a name. Still an up and comer, though, for sure. Up and comer, yeah. Industry had their eye on, but yeah. Back she was to in what Mighty, I was... Mighty Joe Young, Raider Games. Yeah, she wasn't in like a huge stuff know those up before huh. the Italian job. So I guess it makes sense that the budget was still kept pretty low. So this is tying back into what I was surprised with the budget is that the budget was as low. granted when I was saying this, I didn't realize the budget was sixty million, which I actually think is bigger than I would have thought, especially in two thousand three dollars. But yeah. I'm sure a lot of it would have went to so a lot of the filming was done in L.A. even on like Highland Avenue yeah. and that yeah, other down the roads, hey, yeah, yes, for, for a whole week. Like that must have cost yeah. so much money. I couldn't believe that they actually filmed the thing. Yeah, dude. If you're familiar, I mean, you're just someone that is familiar with those areas to shut them yes. down. 
it probably made i mean i mean the stuff gets shut down a lot to film in la but it's never pleasant when it's too long <laughs> i would have like, thought that it would kind of be like few and far between when a production actually films in a location like that like illustrious and you, and you usually want to do it when it's kind of off hours right when it's not off, right. when people are like i mean and this is broad daylight <laughs> this is broad daylight you know you're and they and I mean, that is impressive that they were able to actually do that and successfully do that. Yes, uh, and with 300 cars in one scene, like in the big traffic jam with the lights, like there's like actually yeah. no CGI. It's like a whole huge street in LA with a bunch of cars jammed in traffic, all done legit, like just super yeah. impressive and no doubt expensive. Yeah. yeah, they were able They were able to, because it was most of the film was shot on location in Venice and Los Angeles, and they were able to shoot down canals and streets during most of the principal photography, which is crazy. Again, like I, I'm glad that you mentioned the budget because it's like not like I guess doesn't feel like a huge Hollywood picture where they're like, all right, you <laughs> shut down our shut down our roads right for that long, but they did and they successfully did it. So good on them. I think it, what might have helped is I can't remember which movies were filming, but there were two other movies also filming on those streets while they were filming. Oh, this. it's in the. I, I think it's in like the IMDb. I'm sure it is. Trippy. Yeah. Yes. But I'm sure that might have had something. Maybe they split costs or something. But, uh, I, think it's, I think it's movies that ended up coming out that year, like close to the Italian right. thing as well. Um, Can't remember what they were. I don't know if I really knew them to begin with, but I'll pull them up. I'll see if I can find them. I'll look them up. I definitely thought time. that was something that added into like, just because there's no way around it. it looked and felt authentic because they were shooting in LA where it's taking place. So like, you got to love when they shoot on location. Right. Also the scenes in Venice are great too, I guess. They had permission from the authorities to actually like drive the speedboats and the canals like above the speed limit. So they're like actually speeding through the canals during that chase scene, which was awesome to see. I thought that honestly, I thought the titular Italian job that happens in the opening of the movie, right. I honestly thought was like kind of even more so clever than the, yeah. the job that actually the happens main, the job at the end. Yeah. I would have liked to see like that as the setting of the main heist yeah. but you know i digress i thought it was a cool little opening heist yeah too to add on to what you said show you guys how unprecedented this was that they shut down hollywood boulevard boulevard and highland avenue for seven days to shoot all the chase scenes and that had never been done before right. filming before so like, yeah, that is, it's like a huge that they were able this little movie that no one was expecting to do anything no. was able to to do that i think that's awesome 100 Oh, yeah, and at this point, the two movies that were filming during that time were SWAT and Hollywood Homicide. They all came out in 2003. Yes. They were all filming on the same streets of downtown Los Angeles. Now, do you know time. those? I am familiar with SWAT and Hollywood Homicide. One of them's okay. fun, one of them's not. SWAT, <laughs> SWAT is a remake of a TV show that actually became a TV show again, like, a few years ago. Colin Farrell's in it, Michelle Rodriguez, Samuel L. Jackson, and Jeremy Renner, I believe. Oh, and that's then, a cast. Hollywood Homicide is Josh Hartnett and Harrison Ford. It's not good. <laughs> it doesn't sound it's a, good. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a comedy. It's it's supposed okay. to be like a, it's one of those comedies where it's like oh we're just so different. Like he's like I'm so old and grumpy, and then like he's like I'm so young and like I don't uh, play by the yeah. rules. We haven't seen that a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, over okay. and over. Okay, interesting. Yes, good to know that though because I I I'm I'm no good at remembering titles. <laughs> but yeah. I also want to point out that the movie looks very, very good. It's a very sleek looking film. Agreed. Uh, and I know twenty I, years later, it looks we, great. We point this out a lot, but like you know, when I'm watching something that came out twenty years ago, I'm like, oh, I wonder if it looks dated, but it actually looks very nice still. 
probably the 4K helps, but like, I mean, yeah, you can watch it in 4K, I, but like, <laughs> no, I watch it. Like, my TV is pretty modern and like has some good capabilities on a 4K TV or anything, but I thought it looked fantastic. One thing that I'll appreciate for this movie is like, it's wardrobe did not date it really badly. No, like, it didn't. They, they, they actually, really everyone looks dressed well and yes, not they are. Too, like early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> no, just like kind of just like plainly, which it could have fit in for really any decade, which I was like, okay, great. Cause I noticed what did I watch right. recently? It was the first Fast and Furious. Where I watched, I was like, holy shit, that wardrobe is aging this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is fun, but and every this movie didn't suffer from that. And, you know, everyone looks great, too. Uh, Charlie Theron, uh, she still looks great, by the way. I was, like, thinking about it because I'm watching. Yeah, I just, just saw Fast 10. She has aged masterfully. Mark Wahlberg is actually, you know, he has aged well, too. I think everyone, Jason Statham seems like he hasn't really aged much. He at all is on something uh, <laughs> dude he's, like, he's got the tom cruise syndrome i don't know what he's drinking but he does not yeah. age him and paul Rudd. Uh, speaking of jason statham i you know what i've always been okay with the fact that jason statham is just gonna be jason statham he's been like that since lock stock two smoky barrels he will right. always be that so that's why when i mentioned who he played i'm like always playing himself i don't mean that as a dig it's he's good at what he does i mean yeah. like it's and I, he has some really funny moments in the movie. A few of them with Lyle. Actually, like one of my, I think the funniest things in the movie that works is when he's talking, when Hanson Rob is talking to, I think it's the cable chick outside yep, the car. Becky. Yes. Becky. And then, and then Seth Green is imitating him inside talking to her yes. inside the van. He actually does a pretty good Jason Statham impression. Yeah. Uh, I guess F. Gary Gray broke out in hysterics laughing at that. Laughing. Yeah, yeah. So, like, so Seth, I mean Seth Green's a funny dude. I mean I've I love Seth Green because he was on Buffy for like a few years. Oh he's no in, way! I didn't know that about him. He's in Can't Hardly Wait, which is getting an anniversary. Definitely getting an anniversary episode from us. Okay. He's hilarious in that too. Like this was yeah, a good awesome powers. He's hilarious. Yeah, uh, yes. yeah. So like the late nineties, early two thousands, Seth Green had a pretty good run. You ever uh, seen Without a Paddle? Without with him? Yeah. Also, also that really would funny. be a sweet movie to cover sometime because I yeah. have not seen that in forever, and I grew up watching the shit out of that movie. Yeah, I actually like that movie. It's pretty funny. That would be uh, good. And you know, like I don't know, he's he's good comic relief. I think, and they both play off so. each other pretty well. And too. they don't overdo it, which is definitely right. like he is. His character in general is a, is a massive cliche character in a movie like this, but yeah, he does a good not enough job. And he does it. Yeah, he's like he's like the, the comic relief Titan Geek who you're gonna, just kind of do everything. He greens all the way through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think he's like he does a good enough job, and then he's definitely well cast in that sort of role. Yeah, actually, um, everyone was. I mean, I guess except for Edward Norton, but like everyone was pretty well cast. And I I also wonder what it's like when. And I'm glad that you brought it up too, because like Charlie Saren is the only female presence in a mostly boys club movie. And the fact that like, yeah, yeah. like you said that they allotted her extra weeks to like, ooh, make sure she can do it. And she ended up being better than all of them is just an impressive little footnote to yes. have in that. For an impressive know. lady, she is quite something, quite the talent. And like, give it to her, give it, gotta and give it to her for you know, yeah. that sort of thing. And she honestly shows it off in character, probably as a performer too, when they're doing the whole test run in the red Mini Cooper. And she's yeah. driving around the whole thing and like yeah. trying to test how much weight the Mini Cooper can hold. And and then she like gets out the car and just like tosses the keys, like, yeah, this is the fuck you guys. <laughs> I know, it was a really cool moment for her. I think it was awesome. 100%. And uh, I do want to ask you this because this has also been a complaint from my friends is that oh, okay. wh- while the heist is fun, 
Mm-hmm. They hate that, like, there's no, like, ever, um, like, there's a couple months where it's like, oh, they're going to really accomplish this. But they're like, I hate that, like, you know, in that last 15 minutes, there's no real tension. There's no, like, oh, they're going to, they're going to get through this. Everything, it, everything yes. about it feels like my buddy, uh, Sean at the time used to always say, like, it just feels so easy. Like, I mean, I guess that's the point, maybe that, like, you know, they went through all that stuff in the beginning and that was rough. And, mm-hmm now this is just like a revenge tale that they're getting back at this dude and like i get that but like i wish there was more stakes and more tension like where it seemed like they weren't going to be successful even though you know they have to be but like you know right if that makes sense um you saying this now i didn't really like notice this after watching or during watching but you're totally right there's i think in some deleted scenes there are there's like a police presence, but for the most part, there's right. no like other outside force like trying to stop them from pulling this off. They, I mean, they're very they've planned this out and they have like all their steps coordinated and how to get away with it. But nothing right. really goes awry other than like Ed Norton like knowing that this is coming and so he's changing details on the fly and yeah, switching them, the vaults and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, which was honestly super clever. But there's no like I guess it, again in some deleted scenes. I think there's a scene where Charlize Theron and her red Mini Cooper are missing because she's diverting police around and like leading them astray but you don't see that cool to include i think like why cut that because it doesn't yeah. you're right this feels like this is there's not really any stakes even i remember this i actually do remember thinking in that showdown with mark Wahlberg and his mini cooper and edward norton and the helicopter pilot under the freeway i'm like yeah. okay well yeah sure he's in a helicopter and he looks intimidating and like how is mark going to get out of this but really there's not much that everyone really can do. There's not much of a threat in a helicopter under a freeway. No. Like, there's nothing you can really... If anything, it's just going to crash, probably, yeah. if you're trying to be realistic. So I didn't really feel like that was really going anywhere. And then he just zips around him and, and gets yeah. way around the helicopter relative ease. So, yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. It didn't. It kind of took away from the stakes a bit. And that was one, I guess, it's not much of a complaint because it didn't bother me while I was watching it, but it right. would have been nice to have seen a little bit more stakes or more things go wrong for the team. They kind of just like every problem they are hit with, which at least they, they hit, have problems to encounter. Right. They just kind of get over relatively easy. And their main problem, I mean, other than like the beginning of the movie where that, which sets up this whole like kind of revenge plot for them. Like yes. that is the most that happens to their crew. Right. And then, yeah. then they get the crew back together and they've set up this whole thing. And I guess the one big obstacle is their plan for the highest goes awry. Cause there's a party there's a party at his plate next yes. to his place so they the can't detail. go through so they can't go through with heist as planned and yeah that, i guess that is like a oh shucks we can't do this the way we, we thought we were gonna do and right. of course it sets up the whole scene where she has to go to dinner and meet him and like i actually think that is the strongest like acting scene of if you have to give an acting scene in the movie yeah, uh, sure. but yeah there the whole time i even watching it now i was like even you know taking myself out of it like trying to watch it as like a first time watch yeah. it again it's like oh yeah like this breeze for them is pretty easy the only i mean there also is the other obstacle where they're trying to crack the safe and she has a way of doing it and and then she goes too far and almost cracks the glass right and so she can't right. really and then that calls mm-hmm. them to the whole like like her father she has to like do it by touch and yes. that part was cheesy because she i hate when people actually have to say it she's like oh i won't be able to do it like that way i have to do it by touch and you're like oh like, yeah and it is cliche it is very cliche but like once that happens, it's like they're home free, man. Like there's no Edward Norton. The problem is, is that Edward Norton's villain is not a viable threat. No, yeah, exactly. Like other than, the, other than the beginning, other than when he turns on them, yes. where they and he has turned like everything on them, and like they are unaware of what's going to happen. That's the only time he feels like a legit threat. The rest of the movie, 
and yeah, he kills another dude when he realizes that 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 guy has been asking about the gold coins and yes. he's a threat with a gun on occasion, but like he's not like uh, he's not like a physical threat. He's not really a mental one either because he's not really mm-hmm. they they outsmart him yeah, exactly. on several occasions. Now he does do the whole thing where he like you know he has all the decoy trucks and like switches the vault on them and like all that, but like. He's, he's not reactive. Really like... He doesn't have to do anything. He's just waiting. The whole after he betrays the team, he basically just puts a target on himself and is waiting for them to steal it back from him. He doesn't really like, he's not smart with what he does. He just posts up in LA, stays at his house and has his gold on hand, just waiting for it to be robbed again, which again, yeah, yeah. is just not a threatening villainous presence, which isn't even against Edward Norton. I think that kind of ties into like why I didn't like love him in this movie is his villain doesn't really have to do a whole lot. Right, so and, like, and it'd be easy to blame it all on Edward Norton. I think it's the writing, too. I mean, that's how the role yes. was probably written as well. Like, it's not a lot, a lot there, and I'm sure Edward Norton might have added some touches to make him a little more slimy and a little bit more, like, kind of, like... For sure. Know, but not enough to make it, like, threat. He doesn't feel right. like a real threat the entire movie. Uh, but maybe, I mean, maybe is that the point? Maybe it is just the whole, the, the like, excitement of watching them pull it all off. And maybe that isn't right. like that what the real and but in some of these movies there should be like you would be like, Oh, I wonder if they're gonna get caught. I wonder if there's like if there's any tension like that. If that this works. movie was perfect, those would be elements I think that would be in this movie. But you're right, right. it is pretty it that's not exactly what I feel like there's really elements like. of like that and I mean I haven't watched it in a really long time, but I think there's elements of that in Ocean's Eleven where it's not necessarily like easy. Like they're like right. Like it doesn't feel like it's gonna be a total breeze pulling it off. But it's it's funny you bring that up because that movie similar. That movie doesn't even really have a villain. The guy that they're robbing from the casino owner isn't a bad guy. He doesn't even done anything against that. It's it's more more that he's with Tess and George is just just upset. Exactly. Yeah, he's just he's not even a bad guy though. But that's maybe one thing. Any anybody that's that wants to write heist movies make a convincing villain because that's something that these movies tend to lack. (laughs) Yeah. No, I agree. I think that is the problem too. I mean. Yeah, like I said, this is a fun film to watch, and it was fun yes. watching, like watching him put. I mean, I love, I love. It was a good action moment where they like set the the bomb off, and you just watch it like kind of explode around the truck, and it just like collapses. Yes. Like, and even though it's like, yeah, once once that happens, you're like, yeah, they're all good. They're gonna get through all that. It's just a cool little sequence to have. Like, uh, I thought that was really fun. hundred percent. I was waiting. I was like, so what? A, a- People from up on the street just gonna be able to look down and watch them take the gold, and then they have that moment where the, the truck parked beside them, they yeah. detonate something on that, and the sheet falls off and covers the whole. Like, oh, perfect! I love that they're answering my questions on the fly. <laughs> that was <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> you're like, yes, you're like Mark. Yeah, <laughs> that, was it, that was a great. Okay, great. Uh, uh, the cinematographer said that he was inspired for the chase sequences. He was inspired by the French Connection, uh, oh, Ronin okay. from Ronin from 1998, and even the Born Idea. He used those all as visual references uh, to do a lot of the chase sequences and uh i would be remiss if we didn't talk about the mini coopers which are a part of the og they're part of the original but and you weren't i mean you weren't uh actively around when this movie came out this was a huge like marketing for yes and it was like a seamless one and a lot of people wanted mini coopers myself included after this, after, this, <laughs> after, this, after cool. this movie came out, well, and um, sales, I heard they really did. They did after the movie came out, like twenty percent or twenty two percent or something crazy to, like that. That's crazy. insane. They a lot of cri- critics mentioned back then that the 
the use of BMW's then new line of retro style minis in the film was mentioned by critics and business analysts alike as a prime example of modern product placement or more specifically brand integration. And they said, then one of the film critic, Joe Morgenstern called the Italian job, the best car commercial ever. And, <laughs> and other critics noted the car's prominence in their reviews of the film. Also writing that their presence served as a connection to the 1969 film upon which it was based. And yeah, Love that. Said they uh, sales for Mini Coopers were increased by twenty two percent over the previous year after the Italian job. Like that's that massive. Out. Like that again. That uh, shows wonders. I guess it makes sense why we see why companies fight so hard and pay so much money for their products to be placed in a movie. Sometimes to a movie's detriment. But in, yeah. this is a case where, like, really the focus. It's like, it's, there's a connection to the original, so that's already there, right? Exactly. So they, yeah, so it works a little bit more seamlessly. Even yeah. though, I mean, it does feel like a really sleek, sexy car commercial towards it the does. end there. But... Especially with them all driving in unison yeah, and, like, doing yeah. the stunts one after another. It's funny, yeah. though, because it's what's funny to me is that how well Mini Cooper sold afterwards when, really, most of the promo for a vehicle in this movie is towards the Aston Martin. It's mentioned on two different occasions. Jason yeah. Statham's character wants one. That's what he dreams about buying with his money. Ed yeah. Norton has one in his driveway because he buys one after Jason Statham mentions that's what he wants. But that's definitely not the car that makes out the best in this movie. It's a Mini Cooper, which you got to love. Yeah, I agree. The little guy. Yeah. And you also mentioned the whole, like, this, uh, you know, it kind of, this was part of, like, kind of the revival of the heist film a little bit, at least in that era. They said criminologist Nicole Rapture saw the Italian job as part of a revival of the heist film around the start of the 21st century, along with the Thomas Crown Affair in 1999 and Ocean's Eleven in 2001, both of which were also remakes of 1960s heist <laughs> films. In describing his theory of a teen film genre, film scholar Dr. Jeremy Strong writes that the Italian job could be categorized as such, along with The Magnificent Seven from 1960, The Great Escape, from 1963, The Dirty Dozen from 1967, and more recently at the time when he wrote this, The Usual Suspects in 1995, Mission Impo and Mission Impossible in 1996. He said a team film involves a group working towards a particular objective. However, goal orientation is a widely shared plot attribute of many Texan genres, and it also the case that the overwhelming majority of the films involve a polarity of interacting characters. An element that distinguishes the team film then is that a heightened significance is afforded to the group as the means by which a given objective is attempted this was used in many films around that period and mm. it's kind of resurrected that which is uh, not it's a very true statement it kind of brings oh, that back uh god do we really have that now <laughs> uh which part the whole heist thing like do we really have heist films like a, i feel like the last one we got was logan lucky which i thought was fun enough but no they like, really died like they had one, a yeah. quick little resurgence and then there's hasn't really been a whole lot since which i yeah feel like they have like their place uh, in film history, I guess if there's two spots, it's definitely in the 60s and then that resurgence in the 2000s. Yeah. But every once in a while, like a little heist film, or if there's there's been lots of movies of another genre that have incorporated sort of like a heist element in it. And I think that's done. A straight up heist movie, you got it's got to be really good to be done right. Yeah. But I think it's a great element in a lot of other movies. But no, I, I, I kind of, I'm with you. I don't really know that we really have them like we used to, which I'm I okay with. Like, I think on Netflix, Netflix had Army of Thieves, right? The that was like a kind of a spinoff of the Army of the Dead that Zack Snyder did. Oh with, yeah, with, with, with Manuel, but I don't think we have really like mainstream theatrical ones much anymore. No, I can think of. But it's funny because they're kind of happening in real life. Like you've heard of those big, massive gold 
heists and like yeah, France yeah. and other places in Europe. Like, yeah, that's like something happens. Movies, <laughs> Maybe yeah. you know, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those real life events inspires a movie down the road, which would be kind of cool. Because like, there's it's crazy to think that that shit happens in real life, <laughs> like imitating life in a sense. Yeah, that's true. Really, really um, cool. The Italian Job premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival on May 11th, 2003, and was theatrically released in the United States on May 30th, 2003, along with Finding Nemo and Wrong Turn. I did not realize Wrong Turn came out the same weekend. I love that movie. It's a fun little horror movie. So that's turning 20. Oh, man, we should cover that. I kind of, I didn't know that you, I didn't know you knew it. And I was going to be like, I'm a huge fan with all the Wrong Turns, man. Love that series. I was going to like, I I wrote it on the list and I was going to like try to beg, but man, I don't have to beg. (laughs) Oh, no, you did not have to beg. I would love to cover those, man. Oh. Okay, perfect. All right, there we go. Glad we said that. Did not (laughs) notice that. In its opening weekend, the film grossed $19.5 million, ranking third behind Bruce Almighty and Fighting Nemo. Paramount re-released the film on August 29th, and by the time its theatrical release closed in November, the film had grossed $106.1 million in the United States and Canada and $176.1 million worldwide on a $60 million budget, and it was the highest-grossing film produced by Paramount in 2003. Well, good for, good for that movie. Awesome. Who would have thought, would have thought right. definitely a little engine that could yeah i want to be curious to know what they had like expectations for this movie at the time they were making it and when it came out but i'm sure it surpassed those well i wonder if they felt confident because they gave it summer release i mean it was like late may but it, it's not right. like deep in the summer so like, i right. guess they were like it's like kind of a low and all and i guess it kind of is a low risk at 60 million bucks like it's not like well is that low risk then in 2003 i'm not sure but um no, I think sixty million is a substantial budget. Right. Okay, that's, <laughs> I'm thinking over how much it actually costs. Yeah, you're like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, totally. You know, it's funny. Maybe because you don't see sixty million like anywhere at between twenty and a hundred million, you don't see as much anymore. I guess yeah. they were much more common back then. Maybe that's why it was kind of lower risk. But like nowadays, like it's definitely. I wouldn't know what the average budget is, but sixty, I don't feel like you get tossed around as much anymore. Yeah. That's true. But uh, for the time period, I'll give it to you. Yeah. yeah. The Italian job has an approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 73%. It's fresh with 183 reviews counted. Their consistency reads, despite some iffy plot elements, the Italian job succeeds in delivering an entertaining modern take on the original 1969 heist film, thanks to a charismatic cast. It also received a B-plus cinema score on opening uh, weekend. Most notably, Roger Ebert gave the film three stars out of four, writing that the film was too high sequence. He says was too high sequence was arguably stretched out a little too long, but <laughs> he still said that it was mindless escape business on a relatively skilled professional level. God, uh, love that man. And other reviews said that F. Gary Gray had discovered the right recipe to do a heist movie, keep things moving, develop a nice rapport between the leads, toss in the occasional surprise, and top with a sprinkling of panache. And Variety, variety, that. variety actually uh, compared the Italian job to the score, which came out in 2001 and starred Edward Norton and said hmm. that it was a finely tuned heist pick, and, which also featured Edward Norton in a similar role, except that he <laughs> wants to actually be in that movie. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to see if there's anything negative. Oh, okay. Uh, Rolling Stone gave the Italian job one star out of four, describing Ooh. the film as a tricked out remake of a heist flick that was already flat and formulaic in 1969. He enjoyed the the common relief in Green's and most Jeff's characters and added that Norton's was the most perversely magnetic performance outside of the Mini Coopers, (laughs) but felt that there were a lot 
but felt there was a lack of logic in the film. I don't know if there's a lack of logic. I mean, it's um, it's, it's not rocket science, dude. I mean, it's like it is what it no, is. No, I guess in tune of that, I I remember I remember. Holy, get struggling to get my words out here. I remember. <laughs> trying to like reconcile like what these people were doing like how they had all this free time to like rehearse this elaborate heist in the middle of like the day all the time like yeah. they don't have to answer to anybody they don't have jobs i know they're thieves but like their last heist they had literally all the profits true stolen. they really don't, so, they, really, they really don't talk only, except for charlie Saren. she is a she's the one that has a job a job she's she cracks safe for a living but she's the, here whenever they need her yeah yeah that's true the rest yeah. of them are just like I guess available right whenever yeah just, yeah <laughs> that's kind of fun. funny yeah you're not wrong yeah but that's just one little thing you don't you're not supposed to think that critically about movies like this so I just yeah. kind of wrote it off but okay I hear what they're saying a little bit yeah before I uh, jump into a little any fun facts about the movie like do you have any uh any thoughts you want to throw out there yeah uh, just just to sum it up like um to what you'd the last few things that you had mentioned, I, I'd say after hearing what you've read, I think this movie's perfectly rated. It's great. I think it works great as a 73, a B plus. It's not overrated. It's not underrated. Like it gives credit where it's due. Like the movie is overall positive experience, if not fantastic. It still does its job really well. Yeah, uh, definitely in terms of like heist movies, it's pretty memorable. And one thing that I would feel bad if I didn't get it out there is like people maybe looking for an earlier example of a great heist movie. I would recommend stanley kubrick's the killing which kind of really was one of those first really really great ones uh have you seen i have I've not i've heard good things about it though i can't recommend enough i think it's 1953 so it's an earlier watch for some of our listeners maybe that aren't so in tune with stuff that early but i mean if you're a kubrick fan and you like heist movies he has directed one and i gotta say it's great and christopher nolan shouts it out in the dark night oh, yeah shit, definitely recommend. Right. yeah you're right yeah, yeah. um so we've got to recommend that yeah that's what, what, you, what are some final thoughts before some fun facts? What did you think, and how did it hold uh, up after over all I mean, these years? I think it still holds up pretty well. It's just like fun. Like it's one of those things like I could throw on, and like if I'm like, hey, I don't want to really pay attention to much, but it's yeah. like I can, I can like work and like look. I think you could watch this with some buddies. And yeah, have a good they, time. you know, and I used to do that a lot when the movie first came out to watch at home. There was it was a really it was one of those like, hey, like what do you want to watch? Like oh, I don't know. Like well, throw on the Italian job, and I was like, all right goes by so fast even as me yeah it's not like it's not an incredibly long movie but like once you get to like it feels like you got to like the final like stretch of the movie so quick where you're like oh like they're already like about to get yeah. safe and all that and get the gold like you know it's a lot of i guess because it's all build up to that that it's uh i don't know it flows really well i just thought it was really fun yeah like, and then they, they give the sorry oh, I, I no no go ahead, no, go ahead i was gonna say they give an appropriate amount of time to the big final right. the heist in the finale so which it gets there. It takes its time getting there. When it gets there, you're like, "Oh my!" We still have a lot left. It's but it's already here. Right. Like it's just paced really well. But yep. didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, you're good. And I think the cast is the big selling point here. They they have mm. really good chemistry with each other. You could tell that they had fun doing it again, except for Edward Norton. <laughs> and also, also big props to F. Gary Gray because I mean, like to show that he could what he could do with. I know we keep throwing the sixty million. Like it's not huge, but like by like big budget movie standards, I think it's not a ton of money and he kind of showed right. what he could do with it. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned it way earlier about just the use of like having the actual actors, like driving the cars and doing stunts, having a lot of it be so practical where it's not, just, it goes so far. Yeah. And it's much as CGI action scenes. I think, I honestly think that is why this movie works then for audiences when it came out. Cause even in that bloated summer, it kind of felt like it stood out as something that 
wasn't like the other action movies and stuff you were seeing. Well, look how um, it holds up against Too Fast, Too Furious. Like they're night and day different. Too Fast, Too yeah. Furious looks like kind like what the sequences are. It was made on a computer. Like, oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, like a yes. two thousand three computer. Like oh yeah. man. Why um, wouldn't you shoot that practically? It's a car racing movie. Oh my god, that's true. And also, it, what this made me do, which I haven't done in years, in the years since I've seen this. Oh god, twenty years ago when it came out on the big screen and watching, and I don't know why I never watched. I've never watched the original, and I actually watching it, watching this recently again made me be like, I need to like see it, and I know I'll probably will be, I know it's different, and it won't be the same, but like, right? I at least need to like, you know, I, I can't believe I've never checked it out. And there's actually someone that follows G reels. Like when I took a picture of the 4K, they were like, "Oh, I know so many people love that movie," but he's like, "But I'm from England, and I hate it." Original, loves the original, yeah. So I'm a big fan I, of checking out originals, especially I, check it out. I can't believe yeah. I never saw it like in the 20 years since this one. Came I know, out. eh? But it's That's hard. Great. There's a lot of movies out there, and I mean, they're not very similar. If you really love this one, it doesn't even necessarily mean you're going to love the original because apparently they're very distantly related. Minus yeah. the Mini Coopers, but uh, yeah, I would love to check that out sometime too. Oh, and I didn't mention is it Skinny Pete, the big fat dude? That yeah, <laughs> yes. The only reason I, I love that I love misdirection. I love the scenes just because Bo Steph is really funny in that scene where he's like trying to describe like what like stuff he needs for his bombs and explosives. <laughs> And I love how frustrated Mark Wahlberg gets, like, you know, tell him what you want. And he like basically yeah. pitches like his thought for him. <laughs> and and then the way he talks, one, the way he's playing like the little putt putt golf, like aggressively hitting the balls. Yeah. And he and has his like girlfriend the one, there. His like girlfriend's like, like, oh okay, yeah, you'll get the next okay, one. Baby, you'll get the next one. <laughs> and then when, then when company comes, he's like, go somewhere, relax. And she's like, What? Relax. Like, relax. <laughs> it's so good. He I, was I forgot hilarious. to mention it. It was really funny. I don't think most deaf blinks in that scene. He does. It was the way he's trying not to look at it. He was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I need a primer. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's because, yeah, it's, that's a great moment and a really funny moment too. All right. Let's throw in some little fun facts about the Italian dub. In interviews, Jason Statham said that in addition to the stunt, to the stunt driving course, they all received, he got two days driving tuition from Damon Hill, the British ex world champion, formerly a one driver. However, all the cast members acknowledged that Charlie Sarah was easily the best driver among all of them. That's um, crazy. And let's see. During production, Charlie Sarah got two speeding tickets while driving in her own car, both for going more than 40 miles per hour over the speed limit. She said that after filming driving so fast, she just couldn't get her speed down to drive home <laughs> from set. <laughs> understandable. Very he kills, understandable. though. Like you mentioned earlier, there were no visual effects used for the scene with the helicopter at all. Which is also crazy. When the film performed, so this has always been a thing about this. Okay, when the film performed surprisingly well at the box office, there were rumors of a sequel while the film was still showing in theaters. An early script had it set in Brazil, and it was called The Brazilian Job. I remember when they announced <laughs> this, they were now, yeah, which doesn't, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I wonder if they would have, they, they probably would have changed that title. Or, I'm sure they would have. <laughs> or gone to a different location. Uh, an early script, but yeah, it was, and it did feature Mark Wahlberg, Charlie Sarah, Jason Statham, and Seth Green. They were all attached to reprise their roles, but the sequel fell apart after key people of Paramount Pictures left by the end of 2004, and rough drafts of the script proved unsatisfactory. However, hmm. Mark Wahlberg said fairly recently that he would love to still do a sequel. I think it'd be too late now. <laughs> I think it's way too late. Would I put it past Hollywood for doing greenlining that shit? Not at all. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's uh, not. Some, you actually, we you actually mentioned all of uh, the fun facts during the 
Recording system. I may have scrolled through it myself before. <laughs> I needed some points to mention because I wasn't like, I, it's funny. I went into like, I had some downtime while you were at work and I was getting back from baseball talking about yeah. this movie. So I had to do some, I just filled that time by doing some research and I was initially going in thinking like, I don't know if I'm going to really like hype up this watch that much because I didn't love it. But then yeah, after doing some digging and some of the facts, like I kind of like talked myself into like a better mood, like about this movie. So I'm glad I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you really don't. Just, just in case, you know, it's always yeah. important to have her in case, in case we need it. Let's see. Mark Wahlberg eventually wants to play Steve Roselli, but F. Gary Gray thought he was perfect for Charlie. I could not see him playing ever. No, character no, no, me either. Whatsoever, whatsoever at all. Might have been uh, a little bit more physically intimidating and menacing, but beyond that, Mark Wahlberg just. For an imposing guy, like a muscular dude, he just doesn't have that meanness that Edward Norton does. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I agree and with you. Theron was Gray's first choice for the character of Stella, and Wahlberg also recommended her for the role. And she spent time with the safecracker in preparation for her role as well. Uh, and we, all, we we mentioned the whole, yeah, so Fade the Furious was, in, like, years later, ends up being directed by F. Gary Gray. It's the first appearance of Charlie Theron's Cypher. Uh, and then also Jason Statham is in that movie too. By that point, he had been in uh, one other Fast and Furious movie before that. But it was a nice little. I wonder if they even discussed the Italian job on set. Would've, I'm sure they're like, "Oh, nice to see you again. Nice to see you." Remember, we were in that modest sixty million dollar budgeted <laughs> <laughs> other other car movie, and yeah. now we're in this massive two hundred million plus dollar one. Oh yeah, how the turntables? Uh, how the turntables? <laughs> But yeah, those are some fun facts about the film. I uh, I liked, I it was fun revisit for me. I had an excuse to watch it on 4K, and then since it was turning That's twenty, since it was turning twenty, it was like you know anniversary episodes are a highlight for us, whether or not. And I what I loved about this one, and I didn't even tell you until I remember when you, when you started it, and you didn't go right away into like you know what I really enjoyed it or I really loved it. You were like yeah, it was fun, but there was like some stuff that like didn't yep. necessarily work for you, and like. That's gonna happen on some of the anniversary ones. It's not always That's gonna right. be like a, 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 you know, a fond trip down memory lane. Maybe. <laughs> That's right. As many, so, and I love that. But, right. And I was thinking about not like worried about it because I was like, I know I could just speak my mind about it. But I was like, I know that we have a great, we have a good streak of like really like hyping up our anniversary watches, and like I don't want to like go in speaking negatively about uh, negatively about one. But then I was thinking, you know what? Just speak candidly about it, and I ultimately like have fonder memories having watched it than I did even like preparing for speaking about it so right it ended up being fine but uh yeah there's right. uh i'm sure i'm interested for some of those ones that we cover maybe down the line where we very on opposite ends it is, yeah that's gonna be fun yeah, because be this wasn't so much the opposite end when you're you were like oh yeah i no. acknowledge that this stuff is fun yes. was fun you know you were you know there are some cringy like you know cliche moments particularly but ultimately whole, stuff i can get over <laughs> safe yeah more uh, and it doesn't do it as bad as some other offenders from that time period do so i can appreciate yeah, that and i will say i think what it does well kind of overshadows any of that so it's just like all right if you yeah, want to have fun with too. like a fun ensemble cast if you like this group of people this is a fun movie to watch them in it's some really really fun action sequences it's not all that like, serious all the time and right, that's, right. I'm guilty of taking everything like that serious and like wanting everything to be serious. That's how I like yeah. the movies, as we've discussed in the past. Yeah, yeah. Why I hate comedy so much sometimes, and why I just have higher, I hold stuff to higher standards than really it's even trying to be. Yeah. And sometimes this mellows me out, and I like to be able to talk about them that in this kind of setting. So you know what? I had fun 
talking about the Italian job today. Yeah, I agree. Glad we did. Glad we covered it. Of course, we're going to have more anniversary episodes on deck. A lot more. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> you, maybe Wrong yeah. Turn just snuck in there, too, yeah, which is awesome. Just stuck, yeah, yeah. The, you know what? Writing the best, that down so we don't forget. Yeah, you know what? The best happy accident for doing this one is that I didn't realize that Jackson was a Wrong Turn person. Fan. I actually will take give credit to our boy Mark, who's on the release date we run. He was on the Scream episode. He's been on other episodes of the show. He actually That's... is covering. He's covering that movie. I saw I was that like, post. It's all coming and I was back like, to me now. And I was like, "Is that really coming up on its 20th anniversary or, or any anniversary?" And then I like reading this, and I was like, "Oh shit!" They came out the same weekend as the fucking Italian. That's crazy. You know, I saw both that weekend. I mean, like I, because I'm a big horror movie person, and yes, Eliza Dushku is in this, and she was on Buffy, and there's like that whole thing. So. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea, man. I discover new things about you every day. This is awesome. <laughs> I know it's, it's fantastic. It's funny that like I never. It's not every often that every so often I even think about these movies, but it's uh, I don't know how this had never come up before. You being such a horror movie guy, but they are yeah. kind of niche. They don't get brought up a lot in popular yeah. context. So, but I'm glad it did because we will have lots of similar love for that movie and thoughts to yep. share on an so episode now, coming up no doubt we'll have to pencil that one in here soon yeah so not only is this a good 20th anniversary episode for the italian job we are also hyping up our 20th anniversary wrong turn episode you like that guys get hyped <laughs> get hyped get hyped because we actually we'll probably have like a really good time because i haven't watched that in forever either dude i'm already uh, getting giddy i have like yeah, yeah. four <laughs> packs that even though there's like seven of them now yeah i yeah. always go through them every so often i showed my roommate this back when we lived together a few years ago at a different place and he he ate them up too, so yeah, pun just fun. I think they become really <laughs> they they become really good like cult favorites. Yes, they're like a textbook sure. cult cult movie series. Yeah, yeah. All right, sign us on off. Oh wait, actually, yes. no. Before we do that, yeah, actually, I was about to say we you got we one other thing to mention. Did we, give, did we, we didn't give a score, and then we have another thing to mention. So, what would yes. you? Our anniversary episodes, we've been giving scores to the movies. So, like, what score would you give the Italian job? All right. So, as I mentioned, I really agreed with whatever critic site gave it the seven point. I don't know if it was a meta score or whatever, but uh, I'd give this a solid seven out of 10, like a good seven out of 10. Oh, we're on and the same page. I'll probably go back to, okay, great. Yeah. I think that's not trying to be anything bigger than that. Yeah. It, where it does lack, it picks up in other areas enough that it, I wouldn't consider it a six. Maybe if it was yeah. in a bad mood, I'd say it's a six, but I, I feel good about this <laughs> yeah. movie right now. So yeah, it's not a seven and a half. It's not a six and a half. It's I'd put it right in the middle there. So yeah, I can give it a seven agree? as well. Right. Yeah, seven as well. That's actually what the user rating is on IMDb. So it's seven out of ten That's right now. Totally perfect. And the fact and that it's rare these days. The fact that it's held up in that range for that many years since it's been on IMDb is pretty impressive. I guess, indicative, indicative of yeah. like what people think of the movie overall. Like it's just a fun, fun little diversion. Check your brain at the door. Nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. Perfectly Absolutely. all right. So yeah. No, this one has, despite us feeling like like Jackson have like some issues with it, still fun overall. Still mm-hmm. would recommend it, especially to watch with like some of your friends if you want really easy breezy watch absolutely in the afternoon on prime uh, on prime yes and i'm wondering if this is a paramount movie i wonder if it's on paramount plus i didn't look it's oh possible i'm sure that, it's yeah. possible that it is so if you guys find it there you can also watch it or also this little uh 4k uh, yeah there you go this little 4k is released in right stores here. now in yes stores now i would it'd be one i'd probably pick up and add to the collection because i'm a big physical media guy too and I mean, if actually, you guys look, are collectors look how cool everyone looks like this is like the epitome of what the movie is like like just like cool group shots, like yeah. I I, I want to be called... yellow background too. Yeah, this actually looks better than the original cover art. Yeah, for it. But yeah, one more thing to announce as well, since this is episode uh, ninety eight. We're very close. We're very close to number one hundred. Wow. 
We already had one giveaway. We already did the Fast and Furious movie collection giveaway, which is still active and still open. We decided, and this was after a brief conversation with Jackson, because we went back and forth, like, what should we give away next? I was like, we did like the fun mainstream popcorn movie giveaway and that's fun that's not for everybody that's not for everyone so we were going back and forth about what we should do and then i was like looking online and i know a lot of cinephiles love the criterion collection i mean i have a few up here on my thing i have like rosemary's baby and oh uh, my god that's awesome i actually have the game by david fincher i watched that this year for the first time Uh, also another good release i have a few other ones that i have to like go through but since we were great criterions we're talking about Killers of the Flower Moon yesterday. Martin Scorsese movie. We we're talking about that trailer. And then we did like a Martin Scorsese draft and talked about all of his really great movies and his impressive filmography. I was scrolling and I saw a copy of Raging Bull on 4K Criterion Collection. So that is what we will be giving away next on all of our socials. So it's a good little mix of like, you know, the fun kind of popcorn, turn your brain stuff off. Yeah, and the cl- classic uh, movie stuff that cinephiles also love. I would have not picked a more opposite because Martin Scorsese, I feel like, would hate the Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> so that is so fitting. I'm having yeah. a conversation with Vin Diesel. Uh, you know, anything. His eighty-year-old <laughs> brain would probably melt. Melt. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we will be giving that away as well. It. We were uh, once this episode drops we will put that on socials it'll be yes. the same way that we did the fast and the furious one it's good i mean it's different across all of our social platforms but like instagram you know comment tag a friend share it on your stories follow us if you don't already twitter you like it you retweet it you follow us on twitter tiktok like it comment tag someone follow us same idea yes uh, we're keeping track of or i'm keeping track maybe i should share this with all you guys so you can help me keep track of all the names I have a list of everyone that's entered so far for the Fast and Furious one. And of course, you can continue to enter on that one, but you can also enter on this new one as well. I have a feeling that this might be an even better get for some of you that are listening than the Fast and Furious movie. Tailored maybe for some other listeners compared to some others, which is great that we have something for at least two different types of The best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. So so we're very excited to... uh, give both of those things away just, you know, to kind of hype up the 100th episode and give something to a lucky listener who happened to enter the contest. So now once this episode, you know, this will be live. You're listening to it like time that you're probably listening to it. The giveaway will also be on all of our social platforms as well. Yes. So you'll be able to check it out. And like we said on our previous episode, just because this second giveaway is active doesn't mean the other one is dead. You can continue to enter that one continue to enter the new one we're going to give you basically a chance to win all the way up until the actual recording of the 100th episode and then that'll be that so you still have some time because we still have yes uh, a week we have like we have episode 99 on monday and then yeah and then we'll have like a whole that following following week yeah so you have a whole a whole lot of time to continue to enter yes it's not over until you see us give it away on the episode. So there's yeah, lots exactly. of time to uh, to keep entering. So yeah, Gaius, you uh, I won't uh, I won't. There's nothing to add on. You hit the nail on the head. So I'll just uh, keep it simple, guys. If you're still listening, thank you very much for listening to Back to the Blockbuster episode 98. And if you're new here, you guys now know where to find us anywhere on social media at Back to the Blockbuster. And uh, if you're listening to us on One Avenue, doesn't matter. You can listen to us wherever you guys get your podcasts. 
I'll, I'll save myself from listing them all off. It's so easy. Wherever you guys can listen, you can find Back to the Blockbuster. Gaius, has been an absolute pleasure talking the Italian job from 2003 with you today. I think this was a better episode than I even anticipated going into it. So I had a blast. And I hope you guys enjoy your watch of the Italian job if you guys get it in anytime soon. So that's it for us for episode 98. Thanks a lot for tuning in, guys. And uh, we'll see you next week for 99. Peace out, guys.